There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Outdoor adventures won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. I do. Now pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to This Country Life. I'm your host, Brent Reeves. From coon hunting to trot lining and just general country living, I want you to stay a while as I share my stories and country skills that'll help you beat the system. This Country Life is proudly presented as part of Meat Eaters Podcast Network, bringing you the best outdoor podcasts the airways have to offer. All right, friends, pull you up a chair or drop that tailgate. I think I got a thing or two to teach you. Hunting and fishing food. Taking groceries with you to get you through the day out in nature can literally be anything you can poke in your pockets. Now we're going to talk about some of my favorites and how I've done it over the years, but first, I'm going to tell you a story. During the same time period of getting bitten by the copperhead, I talked about that on episode 147. If you hadn't heard it, might want to take a listen. But me and my running partner, Wayne Parnell, decided to go fishing at Lake Chico near the small town of Lake Village in the southeast corner of the state. Lake Chico is an old oxbow lake off the mighty Mississippi River. It's the largest natural lake in Arkansas, and get this, at three-quarters of a mile wide and 22 miles long, That's 5,000 acres of surface water, and it makes it the largest oxbow lake in North America. The name Chico comes from the French word for stumps, which is what those early explorers called the cypress knees that grew along the bank. Now, I've been tripping over cypress knees my whole life as I poorly navigate and stumble my way through existence. I've called them a lot of things, and I've heard them called others, and yet none of them were Chico's which makes me wonder if that's a real French word because lots of times when others have tripped on them and called them names, they'd follow that up with 
excuse my French. And none of those remotely rhymed with Chico. But speaking of Chico, it's spelled C-H-I-C-O-T. And here's a pro tip for you. If you ever find yourself working undercover in Arkansas, the quickest way to let folks know you ain't from the natural state is to pronounce Chico as Chicot, El Dorado as El Dorado, and Nevada as Nevada. You're welcome. Now, want some more interesting facts about Lake Chico? Of course you do. Charles Lindbergh took his first night flight over the lake in 1923. And if you're asking yourself who Charles Lindbergh is, punch yourself in the jaw, then go look up your history teacher and do the same. Now, 381 years before old Chuck was buzzing around the lake in his airplane, Hernando de Soto, the famed Spanish explorer who is credited with being the first European to cross the Mississippi River, ceased to function as a living Spaniard and was buried near the lake which was still part of the river then. Sometime after the internment, his pallbearers got together and dug him up and chunked Hernando into the river hoping to keep up the ruse of him being some kind of god to whom the native folks had started to grow suspicious of. Especially since it was a little out of character for the great and powerfuls to get sick and die. Anyway, Lake Chico was where me and Wayne Parnell found ourselves at the butt crack of dawn sliding an aluminum boat from the back of his truck into the water. We had an old, and I mean an old, 9.9 Johnson outboard motor and two paddles that would have probably run faster, but also required more effort. We could fire that little Johnson up and cruise at top speed while almost creating a wake as we cut across the surface and up Connerly Bow to a spot that reportedly held some big slab crappie that we'd recently heard about. I feel compelled to address this crappie versus crappy pronunciation debate, but do I really need to? They're also called white perch, the pinnacle panfish of old men who wear Dickies jumpsuits like a uniform, wield 12-foot jig poles with the dexterity of Zorro, and guard their favorite jig patterns and fishing spots like the formula for Coca-Cola. Now, these folks had a cult-like following where I grew up. Is someone going to stand up and say they'd rather catch and eat something crappy as opposed to crappy? I didn't think so. But hey, if eating something crappy is your thing, I bet you like pecan pie as opposed to pecan. A pecan is what we kept under the bed at my great-grandpa's house. There was an outhouse off the back porch. But that's a different story. Wayne and I weren't crappie fishermen by any means, but we aspired to be. We were going crappie fishing after inadvertently receiving some intel from a couple of those jumpsuit-wearing old men we'd heard talking at Carl's One Stop. Carl's, as everybody called it, was a bait shop that was located on the edge of town in Warren, Arkansas. Mr. Carl Savage was the sole proprietor and had been, as far as I knew it, right after the mud dried up on the keel of Noah's boat. But while we were in there buying various sundries to further our outdoor exploits, most notably 22 shells and skull, two items we never seemed to have enough of back then, we overheard some info. Loose lips sink ships, Papa, and all is fair in love and war. When we overheard them describe the exact spot they'd caught an ice chest full of slab crappie two days ago 
and the color combination of jigs they used. We each made a mental note as we stared bug-eyed at each other like we'd just solved the mysteries of the pyramids. I glanced toward where they were holding court at that coffee table, and on the wall, in the wide open for all to see, was a 12-inch by 12-inch card that was full of those colored jig patterns. Sweet Jesus, this was going to be too easy. Not only had we overheard where they were fishing, but also what they were fishing with. We added a jig pole and a double handful of those jigs along with the snuff and 22 shells and laughed all the way to the truck. The next morning, we would light out before daylight for Lake Chico and Connolly Bow. It was hot that summer, and in the south when it's hot, it seems like it's double hot on the lake unless you're running around in a bass boat at 90 miles per hour or jumping in the water every now and then to cool off. And we were doing neither. We were putt-putting up the bow to the tune of a motor that sounded more like a singer sewing machine, sweating like we were on a chain gang and feeling no relief from the heat. I looked at the ice chest sitting between us. I realized then that I hadn't thought to bring any water to drink, and we hadn't stopped for ice in our rush to get through the hour-long drive it took to get to the lake. Now that was no bueno. I looked back at my pal from the front of the boat, his hand on the tiller, sweat soaking through his t-shirt and asking if he brought anything to drink. A frustrated look came across his face and he said, man, I forgot the water jug. Mm. That was also no bueno. Tally one more to the no bueno list when I opened the sack of snacks that I'd brought from home. I'd been carrying it several times on different outings of the past few weeks and thought I'd only eaten sparingly from its contents. Staring sadly into that worn and wrinkled sack, I inventoried four cans of sardines and two sleeves of soda crackers that looked like a saltine jigsaw puzzle. That was going to be our vittles, along with whatever we bought at the store when we stopped for ice, but for some reason that store was closed when we drove by that morning. In half-perturbed fashion, I kicked that ice chest that sat between us and heard some cans roll around in it. Ah, bingo. We had something to drink after all. They might be hot soda waters, but it was going to be not having anything to drink. It was still early, but the heat was oppressive, and I was ready to quench my thirst, and so was Wayne. You ready for something to drink? Wayne nodded his head and held out his hand. I opened the ice chest, and I saw five Budweiser beer cans that had been rolling around in that ice chest so long that the cans were almost solid silver. Now, if you're keeping score, it's time to chalk up another, that's no bueno. I looked at Wayne and said, whose ice chest is this? He said, I don't know. I got it out of the back of your truck. Now, that might sound strange to some, but believe me, at this juncture of my existence, I wasn't fully vaccinated against hijinks and poor decision making. I do not condone or promote these actions to adults, much less 19-year-old hooligans who may or may not have occasionally patronized one of the local bootleggers. But at a social gathering the night before our fishing trip, someone had traded ice chests with me. I must confess that mine also held a quantity of adult beverages, and while in the eyes of the law I wasn't looked upon as being an adult, it seems I also went out of my way not to act like one. But the ice chest also had some cold drinks in it that weren't manufactured in Milwaukee, and that's what we planned on having with us on the lake that day, 
along with the water jug that Wayne forgot. So there we were, hot, thirsty, and hungry, and the only remedy being 94-degree room-temperature red rocket Budweiser's fish from a can and crackers that had been abused to the point of looking more like cornmeal. Mr. Leon, an old veteran I've talked about many times, told me about being so thirsty in World War II that he drank from a mud hole on the island of Saipan that had wiggle tails swimming around in it. Now, I've never experienced that kind of thirst, but right then, I felt like I was as thirsty as I'd ever been in my life. It was horrible and delicious at the same time. Horrible that we were eating the sardines to wash the hot beer taste out of our mouths, and delicious in the sense that we at least felt like we were hydrating ourselves when, in reality, we were doing the exact opposite. Doing the exact opposite of the correct thing to do would be a template I'd occasionally struggle with in the coming years. But I never went fishing again without making sure I had a water jug. Now, speaking of the fishing, we didn't catch a fish. Not one. We suffered through the hot beer, sardines, and cracker crumbs and lost nearly every jig we'd bought at Carl's Fishing in a submerged treetop that was stealing jigs from us faster than we could drop them in there. Wayne wound up breaking his jig pole. We'd suffered greatly and then never caught a fish. We went home defeated. Two or three years later, I was telling my dad that story while he and I were fishing one day. He started laughing, and he said, I'll never, I'll never forget it. You big dummy. Those old men tricked y'all into buying all that stuff. How many folks do you know that talk out loud about where they're catching crappie, down to the exact specific place they were? And if those jigs were so good, how come them old men hadn't done bought them all? I thought about what he was saying as he said it, and it became crystal clear that he was right. That was 38 years ago, and I'm sure those old fellas have passed on long ago. I'm also sure they got a big kick out of that, even though they didn't know the full measure of our folly. Now, had they known, they might have felt sorry for us and taken us with them one day. Probably not. But, <laughs> but, they got us, and that's just how that happened. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited additional offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. I never go to a concert without mine, and it was all they could do to keep me off the stage. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. 
you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. When I'm hunting and fishing, I'm usually hunting and fishing for something to eat. That's part of the drive that makes me want to leave the house before breakfast for just about everything I chase, except coons. Now, that's an endeavor that starts after supper and when it gets dark and the night creatures begin to stir. I also don't shoot every coon we tree or eat every coon I do shoot. But you can bet, though, if I knock one out of that tree to get his hide, that someone will benefit from that naked coon. I know lots of folks that like to eat them and I'm included in that group. And back in January, I was at an event where me and a gymnasium full of like-minded souls did our best to wreck 900 pounds of smoked banditos. I even shot a small video on my Instagram of how I cooked one myself a couple weeks ago, so check that out if you're interested. Now, that's a cooking-only video, not a meat-cleaning video. There are four glands that have to be removed before cooking one, and I'm going to video that pretty soon. But unless you're toting a skillet and some grease with you, you're probably stowing some snackerels in your pocket for when the hunger pains hit later on. There's always some go-tos like jerky and fruit and granola and trail mix and such, but my experience has always been somewhat limited to either homemade ham and sausage biscuits, bologna sandwiches, or what was a staple at our house when you didn't have time to make something better. And that was crackers and cans of beanie weenies, potted meat, and Vianney sausages. I know, I know, I didn't say Vienna. Well, long before I had any idea there was such a place as Austria, much less Vienna, those little round cans of meaty goodness were referenced as Vienna sausages. I don't know what the problem is. It says it right there on the can, V-I-E-N-N-A, Vienna. And even with it so clearly defined and printed on the label, the folks in my circles have managed to further malign that pronunciation to Vaini. Anyway, there's other things to consider as well when you're poking some grub in your pockets before hitting the woods, like environmental factors. Hot and cold can have more than a preservative influence on what you plan to eat later on. A case in point references a can of Vainis. 
many moons ago. Me, my brother Tim, and Andy Johnson, the proud of Dallas County, Arkansas, were duck hunting in the Saline River bottoms. It was cold, and we'd had a pretty good morning shooting ducks in the flooded timber when the mid-morning lull rolled in. Now, you duck hunters know what I'm talking about. The initial early morning flights peter out, and there's a break into action for a little bit. And that's when the folks start hitting the bushes to turn some coffee loose, mess with the decoys, or start scrounging around looking for something to eat. I asked Andy if he was hungry. He said he was about to starve slapped to death, but also he didn't bring anything. No worries, mate. We got you covered. I hollered at Tim to check the grub box in the boat. The grub box was an old Army surplus 50 caliber ammo can that had a lock and waterproof lid. He walked over and dug around a minute or two and then chunked me two cans of Viennese in rapid succession. I cracked one open with some cold hands revealing the little nubs of meat bathing tastefully in clear, gelatinous gobs of goo. And I handed Andy the can, and he handed it right back. And I said, I thought you was hungry. He said, I am. I said, you don't like Vianis? He said, I ain't never been bad about eating anything what had salve on it. Too, <laughs> too, too bad, Andy. More for me and Timmy. So was Andy really hungry? I dare say he wasn't. My buddy Michael Roseman turns his nose up at potted meat. He also won't eat coon or drink coffee, but he loves squirrels. There's just no accounting for taste, as the saying goes. Speaking of taste, what about them vainies and potted meat? What is the flavor? Now, they're both made from chicken, pork, and beef, but to me, they don't taste like any of them specifically. The taste is uniquely their own, and if you eat a large portion of them over a long period of time, you'll get to see what anesthesia tastes like when they do your heart bypass. Apparently, the goodness found in those little meat sticks of clabbered goodness is baked with more fat than protein, so you're better off to partake only in moderation and on those special occasions. Like tonight, when Michael and I hit the woods with our four-legged coon haters, I'm bringing the snacks. My baby girl, Bailey, loves to snack when we're hunting. And I think one of her favorite parts of the hunt is planning and stocking up before we start. That's always her job. We were talking about the subject of this podcast on the way to school this morning, and I asked her what her favorite hunt snack was. M&M's and Dr. Pepper was her immediate response. But before we'd gone a mile, that had shifted to peanut butter crackers before settling in on Cheeto Puffs. The only constant was the Dr. Pepper, probably because she's only allowed one of those a week. But you know that's something else that can involve the little ones, especially if they're just going to observe and not actually pulling the trigger, and that's getting all the groceries ready for you to go. Sometimes the night before, we'll make sandwiches or make some biscuits and sausage together, and I'll let her do most of the preparation. It gets them involved and includes them in the experience. When my son Hunter was big enough to go with me, and until he left home, sometimes we'd hunt all day. Even if we were close to home, we'd get down and walk back to the spot where we parked and build a fire and cook deer burger with potatoes and onions and, and aluminum foil in the coals of the fire. It adds another element to the experience of sharing a meal or even just a snack. Remember the grub box that was an old army ammo can? Well, my brother Tim and I used to put sleeves of crackers and cans of goodies in them. Several of them. Everything that I've talked about here, including 
smoked oysters and sardines, and we'd, we'd bury them in various places before turkey season started while we scouted around through the bottoms. Then when we found ourselves in a particular place that had one of our food caches weeks later, and us in need of a little snack, we'd dig it up and eat. It was fun, and on the hunch that we didn't kill a turkey but got hungry enough to go find one of the grub boxes we'd hidden throughout the woods, and I remember those just as fondly as the ones where we did tow the turkey home. I can't count the times I've taken just a thermos of coffee and an apple and sat on the side of the Little Red River while fly fishing with friends and just enjoyed the conversation and the peace and quiet of the rolling river. Man, it'll feed your soul just as well as it'll feed your belly. It's not so much what you're eating that's important, but who you're eating it with. And the best part, especially with kids, is you don't have to be hunting or fishing. Just plan a time to take a hike, ride in a boat, whatever. Pack some groceries of any kind and go make an outing of it and eat in the woods. It never ceases to amaze me how much better a hot dog tastes cooked over a fire the further you are from home. That ought about do it. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you'll get out with someone you don't mind sharing a can of Vianis with and add an additional element to your experience. You'll be surprised as time goes by how many of those times you remember. Until next week, this is Brent Reeves signing off. Y'all be careful. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Outdoor adventures won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. I do. Now pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.